Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just want to say that hippo song is really catchy, okay? Uh, so, uh, if you were with us last week, you uh, would have heard about uh, Jesus being transfigured on the top of a mountain. It was just this incredible, glorious moment. But with the beginning of Lent on Wednesday, we find ourselves now coming down this mountain and into the wilderness. Or, as we're going to be talking for the next couple of weeks here, our journey through the wilderness. Now, uh, when I say wilderness, I want to add some clarification to that term, depending on uh, what the image may be coming to your mind. First off, I've been working on my wilderness beard here. Here, trying to get it going for the next six weeks. So we'll see what happens by the time we get to, to Easter. But uh, when I say wilderness, typically, I think what comes to mind is uh, going out into the woods, whether that's in your backyard or uh, maybe in the middle of a state park or a forest and kind of just being surrounded by wooded creatures. And maybe there's even a rugged path that you could go on or, you know, as they would say, the road less traveled, right? And so uh, we kind of have this general image of wilderness in our minds. But in Scripture, there's more to the wilderness than that. See, in the Bible, the wilderness is not just a place. And we see this kind of in the stories of different people who end up in the wilderness. Uh, you can first point to the people of Israel. And throughout the Old Testament, they spend so much time in their lives in the wilderness. And then you have John the Baptist, who he himself is known for coming out of the wilderness, but also living in it. And then we get to Jesus and Jesus' experience and life in the wilderness. See, in the Bible, the wilderness is a place of uncertainty and adversity and spiritual struggle. It's places where you experience all of those things. Now, uh, in the same way, then, the wilderness is that for our lives. It's a place where we experience all kinds of spiritual struggle and adversity and challenge and loss. And what's interesting about it is, we never really know how long our season in the wilderness is going to last. And at the same time, it's also true that while we face challenge and adversity and struggle, on the other side of it, there's also a, an opportunity for spiritual renewal, for some growth and strength and vision, redemption and clarification. And so uh, it's with this context in mind then that we hold the wilderness in some tension throughout this season of Lent. See, because what Lent does is it drives us to this place of reflection and, and spiritual struggle. And at the same time, we do so knowing that our eyes on, are fixed on what comes at the end of Lent, which of course is Easter. And so over these next 40 or now 35 days, we're going to be journeying through all different kinds of wilderness experiences that one may have in life. And as we begin then, I couldn't think of a more uh, simple way to begin than to quote the song lyrics of uh, the 80s rock group Guns and Roses. Welcome to the jungle. Now, I know the jungle and the wilderness are different places, but you get the point, okay? See, uh, this first journey that we're headed towards is going through something that all of us have been experiencing since the beginning of time, since before we can even remember. The wilderness of temptation. And uh, maybe you noticed that in our story this morning you just heard, Jesus is literally in the wilderness going through temptation, right? Uh, scripture tells us that he's just come out, been led by the Spirit, and for 40 days of fasting, the devil comes. So Jesus in this story is face to face with the devil, with the one, the adversary, the tempter himself. This is where Jesus finds himself in the midst of this wilderness. And 
If you were catching that first line of this temptation, then you would think that the devil is kind of subtle in how he tempts Jesus with this first one, that it almost seems too simple with what he says. See, uh, the first temptation, right, plays on Jesus's hunger, that uh, Jesus was fasting for 40 days, and so the devil tells him, take this stone and turn it into bread. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is the devil is wicked smart. Man, that didn't hit at any of these services so far, but we'll keep going, okay. So, while we're focused on the bread and the stone, the devil's doing something a little bit deeper. Think about what he said again. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, just go back one chapter in the Bible. Go back to Luke 3. In Luke chapter 3, you'll hear the story of Jesus being baptized. A story in which after his baptism, the spirit of the Lord descends upon him and God speaks and says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So while our attention is kind of fixated on Jesus being hungry, the devil is trying to get Jesus to deny his identity to question who he is. Is he really the son of God? But Jesus kind of steps around that, goes right through it. He sees through the devil's ways. Now the devil does this same sort of thing with you and me. He uses this same sort of approach and it's really subtle because he just tries to get us to not remember our identity. I mean, I know personally that uh, when I'm in the middle of temptation, the last thing I'm asking myself is, would a child of God do this? Because on the one hand, I'd like to believe that if I ask myself that, maybe I wouldn't do what I'm about to do. And on the other hand, I know that if I do ask myself that and then I fall into temptation, I only feel worse. Because uh, when we are in the middle of temptation, we're so focused on the result of the temptation that by that point, the devil's already worked his way through our initial overlooking of this beginning of our fall into it. I mean, think about it, right? When you hear this story, which is familiar to so many of us, we get fixated on this concept of Jesus being hungry and all he can do is turn this stone into bread and then he'll be full, right? Scripture tells us he was so hungry after all this fasting. And I had this thought that could you imagine if in this story, the devil says, uh, you know, turn this stone into bread and instead Jesus goes, no problem. And he created a feast. We'd be like, yeah, Jesus, you show that devil, Right? I mean, that power, we, we wouldn't even be phased by that. We'd be like, oh yeah, that's what Jesus can do. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he, he just walks right around what's going on. But for us, it's never going to be that simple. When the devil gets us to forget who we are and whose we are, he's already started our fall into temptation. When we forget ident our identity, we forget everything that does, that Jesus does in baptism. And so with Jesus, of course, it's not that easy, right? So the devil has to work a little bit harder and he moves on to this second temptation. He, he takes Jesus into this new place, new location, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. An incredible vision, I'm sure, one that we can't even fathom because it was so amazing, all the kingdoms in the entire world in just kind of this brief moment. And he says, I will give it all to you. I have it all, I'll give it all to you. Now, usually we hear that and we think, wow, all the kingdoms in the world, I mean, that is so much power. But again, we look right past what the devil is really doing here. See, uh, before we get to the kingdoms in the world, did you realize what the devil says, how he tempts Jesus? He says, I have it all, so I'll give it to you. 
The devil is lying right to Jesus' face, right? Jesus knows you don't have it all, I have it all. But we don't catch that. We, we glance right over it and we're like, oh, well, this is a power struggle. And of course, we're drawn to that because that's what we're thinking about. Jesus is like, nope, I'll, I'll move on through that. See, the first thing the devil does is he gets us to forget our identity. And then he quickly starts telling us lies. He gets us to believe things that aren't true and to question the things that we know that are true. And he doesn't even have to work that hard to do it because, again, we've already forgotten the promises attached to our name. We've already forgotten the truth about who we are. I mean, think about how he got Adam and Eve, right? Go back to that first story. He, he knows that they're going to be fixated on the fruit. So he tells them, I mean, doesn't that fruit look good? And, and you're not going to die. Yeah, it's going to taste good. It's so great. You're not going to die. You're just going to be like God. And I mean, is that really a bad thing? And we all know the result of believing that lie, right? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all believe lies. I mean, in a day and age where we are saturated with all kinds of information, many of which we don't even need, we find ourselves spending most of the time trying to pick and choose, trying to be skeptical about what's really true and what's not. The devil doesn't even have to work hard in this endeavor. The, the world around us does the work for him most of the time. But what happens when it gets personal? What happens when the devil comes after you with his temptation? Uh, maybe he uses a really rough day at work for you to feel like you are, are worthless. Or uh, maybe he uses a really bad day as a parent to get you to think that you are a failure. Or, or maybe he just keeps on finding ways to bring up your past, your past sins, your past struggles, and he keeps bringing them up, bringing them up to the point that you convince yourself that you are unable to be loved. The devil will use all kinds of subtle tools and tricks and lies over and over and over again until we start to believe the lies. But of course, there's always more to it, right? The devil keeps on going. He's still chasing after Jesus. And in this, this next temptation, this last one in this moment, the devil uh, does what I, what I would call, he goes for the jugular. The devil tries to bring it all together now in this final temptation of Jesus. He takes him to the highest place of the most holy place, right? The pinnacle of the temple. And he says, throw yourself off. And the devil uses scripture to try and get Jesus to do this thing. And what he does with this then is he almost seems like he sets Jesus up in kind of a lose-lose situation. Because if Jesus does this, he's putting God to the test. And he's, he's kind of proclaiming that he is not the son of God, right? Because again, the devil starts, if you are the son of God, do this. But if he doesn't do it, then it's like, well, does he really trust in God? Where's, where's the battle? Where's the struggle? And Jesus is like, no, not me. I'm going to use the word of God in a completely different way. I'm going to use scripture to interpret scripture. And he walks, again, right through that temptation. And then the devil leaves. Now, in the wilderness of temptation, where does that leave me and you, right? Because even though uh, we've got Bible verses aplenty at our pockets, we, we remember so many different parts of Scripture, we know that that doesn't always work, that we still struggle and fall into temptation all the time, and the devil knows that too. He knows it so well that he gets us to believe the lies, that his goal is to just separate us more and more from our identity, more and more from the work that Jesus does in our baptism. 
And that as we believe more and more lies, we separate ourselves and separate ourselves and separate ourselves to the point where the devil gets us to convince, to believe on our own that we can do it, that I can do it by myself. And isn't that kind of what we all want? I mean, isn't that something that we crave to, to be able to say, I can do this. I can resist temptation. Yeah, I know that I've got a rotten past and I've lied before and I've walked straight into temptation knowingly and fallen directly into sin willingly, but this time I got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand toe-to-toe with the devil. I'm going to resist. I can do it myself. I can do it this time, right? And in the midst of the wilderness, isn't that kind of what we want? When we're wandering around, when we're in the midst of it, we want to say, okay, how can I overcome this? What do I have to do? We kind of put it all on ourselves. And the truth is, when you're at that moment, there's only one way through it. And it's got nothing to do with you. See, the way through temptation is not trying to fight it harder or to take it on as if somehow you're going to beat the devil because you can't. Uh, The way through temptation isn't facing it head on and putting yourself in bad situations because you can't. Uh, The way through the wilderness of temptation is to do something that sounds so simple and yet is one of the hardest things we'll ever do. The way through the wilderness of temptation is to find rest in the fact that we are not enough. To take comfort in the fact that you can't do it by yourself. To take on the reality that you need someone else. Because in the midst of that reality then, you will find the one who is enough. You will find the one who overcomes every temptation You will find the one who goes face to face with the devil himself and removes all the temptation that the devil could possibly throw at him with just using his own word. You will find the one who goes to the depths of hell and drowns all your sin and your shame and all the lies of the devil and then raises you up out of that water into new life. You will find Jesus. When you find Jesus, you'll realize that even in the midst of your temptation, you were never alone. That Jesus was always with you. And he'll draw you right back to that moment where he claimed you. Right back to those waters of your baptism. Right back to your identity as a beloved child of God. Because that is who you are. Jesus, the truth teller, says that to you. He has claimed you. And so he takes all your sin, your shame, your past, present, and future temptations into that water and drowns them. And he raises you up in new life by his death and his resurrection. And he does all this for me and for you. And even when you fall into temptation, even when you turn your back on him, he is still fighting on your behalf. That is his promise to you because everything that Jesus does is for you. His life, his ministry, his miracles, his death and his resurrection, all of it he does for me and for you. When Jesus goes out into that wilderness and he faces that temptation and he overcomes it, it's for our good and this is good news because it reminds us that even though we may fail, he never will. See, in our lives, 
The wilderness of temptation will often seem less like a season and more like a everyday reality. We're all facing temptation in, in one way, shape, or form each and every day. Some days it's stronger than others, certainly. And some days we're even stronger to resist than others. But our approach remains the same. To take rest. To find rest in the work that Jesus has done in everything that he does for me and for you, to turn back, to repent, and to seek that comfort and that peace, knowing that Jesus does everything. He overcomes all temptation for me and for you. You know, uh, as we began our Lenten journey this past Wednesday, we, we received the ashes upon our forehead, and, and Pastor Mark uh, quoted a young Ethiopian youth from a few weeks ago when he reminded everyone uh, in their congregation that you are nothing, that we are nothing. And falling into temptation often makes us feel that way. Falling into sin makes us feel as though we are nothing. But the promise is that even when we feel as though we are nothing, Jesus says he is everything. And he is everything for you. In Jesus, you have everything. Because to him, you are everything. You were worth his life and his death. And you are worth his glorious resurrection. That is what Jesus does for me and for you. As we journey then through this season of, of different wildernesses and all different kinds of temptations, church, take rest in the promise of Jesus. That he will lead you and guide you and he is working for you. In all that life may come your way. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.